Welcome to the Financial Advisors Edge Podcast, a show created by financial advisors for financial advisors. Are you ready for some straight talk about building and growing a financial services practice? Four advisors in different states at different firms that have each built $100 million plus practices from scratch the right way through hard work, doing the right thing, and having fun while doing it. It's time for you to get the edge. Here are your hosts, Brad Warhurt, Jeff Copeland, Jim Martin, and Greg Gonzalez. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Financial Advisors Edge podcast. I'm Greg Gonzalez, and I'm here with Jim Martin today. We've got an awesome episode. I'm really excited about this episode because I'm going to be kind of interviewing. It's going to be a little bit different. It's just me. Brad's not on the call today. I'm going to be kind of interviewing Jim to get an idea of how you build a rock star team behind you. Because it's, you know, everybody's dream is different, of course. But if you can have a rock star team of professionals working with you, it just makes the growing this business and having a successful business so much easier when you have the right people in place. And so we're going to be talking to Jim most of today's episode on going going through what he recommends as far as getting the people in the right places what what places those are for his business and it's going to be an awesome episode but before we jump into that i wanted to remind all of our listeners to check out a couple different things number 1 check out our private facebook community the financial advisors edge podcast community you can find that right on facebook we've got almost 300 people, I think now in our community. It's a free community. You can join that. Uh, but you can also visit our website, thefaedge.com. We have, we're in the beginning stages of launching the Century Club, what we're calling the Century Club. Jim, do you want to kind of give everybody a little more information about that? Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I've very rarely been as excited about something as the Century Club. The Century Club is for advisors who want to grow, get better, become more efficient and scale their practices. It's for people that want to take the, uh, the next step to get bigger. You can go out to thefaedge.com uh, and put some interest in it, kind of outlines. And what we do on the Century Club, it is a small group. We limit this to uh, a small number of people. And, and we really pull the uh, pull the hood back and kind of show everybody exactly what we do, what Greg does, what Brad does, what I do in our practice. We share our deliverables, our processes, and really help people get to the next level. So look, if you want to become a better advisor, if you want to become more efficient, I highly recommend it. And here's the here's the re reality. Um, advisors, um, you know, whether it's us or something else, you should have a coach in this business. You should really, really think about making investments in this business to get better. And if you can't learn something from three guys with running a hundred million dollar plus books of business, uh, you know, you, your your eyes are closed, your eyes are closed, and your ears are shut because, uh, or maybe I did that the wrong way there, Greg. But either way, you <laughs> you, I really think, um, I really think it's a huge opportunity for people. I will tell you that if I had access to three guys doing a hundred million dollar books of business early on in my career, I'd probably be sitting at a billion today. I mean, it would have. It would have accelerated and launched my uh, my practice so much better. So I would really encourage people to check it out. Yeah, thefaedge.com. And and kind of the, we, we had so many requests for building something like this, you know, a community, a platform like this. And, and you know, the three of us came up with it. It's called the Century Club. Like Jim said, I wish something like this was available because you, you kind of want to learn from the people that that are at where you want to be. So if you're one of those advisors that's looking to grow and is serious about growing, that's why we launched this, the Century Club. So check us out at uh, thefaedge.com. You can read everything about it. We even have our bios on there now, Jim. Uh, we people can read about wh who we are, you know, what our business looks like, all the details. We scary, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're we're uh, we're just three everyday guys that you know happen to happen to find some success along the way. Uh, but if we can help our listeners out, that was kind of the inspiration behind this whole podcast is, is helping advisors uh, that that, that want to grow, that uh, are not yet where they want to be. So, uh, so, hey, let's get to today's episode. Today's episode, Jim mentioned the other day, uh, and that's kind of what's piqued my interest about this whole topic. 
He said, I have a rock star. He literally said, I have a rock star team behind me. And it's it's the first time in my, in his career that he has felt like, hey, he's he's finally got the team that the championship team, so to speak, that was behind him. And you've got when you think about, you know, I'm a big sports fan. And, you know, when you're piecing a team together, Jim mentioned the the Chicago Bulls. They're a good example. Finding the right people, you know, they had to go out and they had to get Dennis Rodman. But, you know, and they 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 got Scottie Pippen, they you know, Michael Jordan. And and but they had those those players in mind, you know, Luke Longley, Tony Kuko coach. They had all those good players, but but they were the right fits for the for the pieces, right? Uh Ron Harper wasn't doing all the rebounds, wasn't doing all the rebounding. That that was um Dennis Rodman and Luke Longley and and those guys. So so Jim, take us back kind of Talk about your practice, where you see, you know, you've got your primary, uh, your rainmaker, your your uh, primary advisor. What roles do you see um, that every advisor should have as far as a team? And and walk us back. What did it look like in the beginning? Obviously, maybe you add, uh, you know, one assistant and then two. And, and then what do those roles look like? Yeah, yeah, that's a, it's a great question. And uh, you know, I, like everybody else, I, I started, well, not like everybody else, but I started at zero. So I was, I was literally working out of my, uh, like a, a hallway in my, my little terrible apartment and, uh, didn't have an assistant then about six right. months in, I got an office. I worked for Edward Jones way back in the day. And then I uh, left Edward Jones and, and went independent, but I, I had a BOA at Edward Jones and that was kind of the first time. And that, that stands for branch office administrator, which is just a administrative assistant, if you will. Um, okay. Hired, uh, made, made the wrong hire the first time, made a good hire the second time. And then, um, so I guess after about 5 million in assets, I had it. I mean, it, I, the way I kind of looked at this, Greg, really simple was, um, delegation is like a superpower mm-hmm. it, it, and it really is, is it, um, advisors really get in their own way. A lot of people will like make excuses that they can't afford it or they don't need it or uh, you have to train somebody or I can't trust them or they're not going to do it as well as me. All, all that's head trash. All of that, those are excuses. If you want to scale and optimize and be efficient, you're, you're going to need help. You can't do it on your own. I mean, hell, you want to take vacation sometimes. So right away, uh, you know, really soon into the business, Greg, I hire somebody um, and it was a uh, it was a big deal. I mean, I haven't done paperwork forever. I don't even know how to do paperwork. Um, I can figure it out. And I'm not. I'm not completely stupid. But, um, but uh, you know, it, it's not something that I would. I think people need to linger on. I think they need to start. So we started off really quick, hiring our first person, and then and then just kind of grew it from there. Yeah, I, I look back, Jim. I'll, I'll kind of share a quick story. You know, when I was first starting out, same thing. Didn't have an assistant. I was I was doing the paperwork. I was doing the plans. I was doing the you know portfolio manager. I was doing everything. You know, mm-hmm. beneficiary change forms. And then you get to the point where okay, I can hire somebody. But I can think back. It was in between. I, I actually had an, a, an assistant that that wasn't very good, and she actually you know resigned from her position, which was a a blessing. But there was there was a period where I thought, you know, uh, I'm going to take my time hiring this next person. I'm going to really interview them. And I, I I remember this distinctly. I had some some big meetings. I had some prospects, you know, with a million and a half, two million bucks. And the and you know, I I, I kind of had my presentation, my plan presentation to that them. And, and the guy ended up coming back to me and said, Greg, we we loved everything that we saw, but you know, kind of made us a little nervous. You can't, you know, you don't have an assistant up there. You've got an you know an empty front desk. Yeah. And and it makes us a lot more comfortable going to a, a larger firm that's that has not only one assistant but two assistants. So so keep that in the mind your mind as far as the perception if you don't have an assistant what what prospective clients might be thinking and are are they choosing somebody else who who you know seems like they've they've kind of got it together and are more successful. And you shouldn't be answering the phone, right? Like advisors right. You shouldn't be answering the phone because your clients are there. They're calling in for check requests or beneficiary change or wholesalers are calling you and wasting your time. Like, you know, even if it's, even if it's somebody part-time, you know, if you're just starting out and it's somebody part-time, that's better than nothing. At least you can delegate some of this stuff to them. Right. Right. 
And uh, I, I remember back in the day, I, I, uh, I even had somebody part-time that would stay for my later meetings. So when the person came in the door at five o'clock or 5.30, not that you have to do this, but they would say, oh, nice to meet you, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. We've been expecting you, Greg's in the conference room already. Can I, can I offer you something to drink and yada, yada? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be leaving. Are you sure I can't get you anything to drink? And then, you know, see them into the conference room and then and then they would take off. But uh, so it is all about perception. And and I think having that, uh, you know, the bigger team behind you, there's there's a lot of that, that's nothing but 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 a benefit at the end of the day. So so, Jim, uh, let's talk about that. OK, so you've got your, you know, your branch office administrator, you've got your client service director. Some people call that the director of first impressions. You've heard right. all these different titles that you have. Um, you know, client services director is what we use. Um, when was the next time to hire the next person? What did that person's role look like? And why did you end up hiring that person? Yeah, and I want to I want to make sure that everybody knows that I've made lots of hiring mistakes along the way. So um, while we're going to map out what where we hired and how we hired, it's going to be important we circle back around to talk about how do you avoid some of these pitfalls because I will tell you hiring the wrong person uh, can be as, as impactful as not hiring somebody at all. It can actually hurt your business in a big way. Um, I, I would guess probably about I, I was, you know, I didn't measure on assets. I measured on volume. I've always been a guy that was able to go out and, um, and find business. And I like prospecting. I like meeting with people. Now I will, I will be the first to raise my hand that a lot of the business I was adding was not business that I would necessarily want to add now. So, you know, I was yeah. doing, a, I was adding a lot of Roth IRAs and, and DCA accounts and, and clients that probably were not our, our avatar, our ideal client at this point. But with that said, we had a, we had a pretty high volume of new business coming in and uh, you've, you've got to measure your people by capacity. And I really waited too long to make the second hire. And I don't remember specifically where I was at on, um, on AUM. But I do remember that my assistants were dropping the ball. They, they for all the volume of calls and seminars and new business and service work, things were backing up, and I was losing people. Actually, what happens are people will not. You know, you, we all know this. Like, if you're going to have a job, you're going to want a job where you go to, you feel rewarded, you feel where you're not, you're not killing yourself every day. Um, and what would happen is I would never yell or scream at my people. I don't mean it like that, but I was, I, I, their workload was way heavier than it should have been relative to the, in, rather relative to the salary I was paying them. So I think you've got to really be, your fingers got to be on the pulse when you're, when you're operations person, you hire, no matter what you call them, director of first impressions or whatever, um, when they start to feel overwhelmed or they can't do all the things you're asking them to do and things are falling through the crack and you're going to have, you get, you know, you got to manage people. You can't just hire them and, lo- and turn them loose. You actually have to manage them. When you start to see this, it's probably time to figure out number one, do they have the, do they have the capacity or the capability to do the job? And the answer is yes. Then they're probably at capacity. And if they're at capacity, it's time to make it a second hire. So we made the second hire and it was a part-time um, assistant. And then it eventually turned into a full-time. So we ended up having two operations people and myself. That was the second hire we made. Okay. So so we'll uh, let, let's stop there for a second and, and kind of go into, so when you're hiring this second person, are they are they taking over some of the tax from from uh, your your original hire, your original director of first impressions, client service director? So are they kind of cross trained so they can do you know the jack of all trades, or is one like specific for you know all the all the paperwork or all the the check yeah. requests or whatever, or or do they they both just kind of work together doing everything? We've done it both ways. I, I don't know okay. that there's a magic to it, especially when you're small. And the problem is when you're, if you've got like a 30 person team, I think specialization makes a ton of sense, right? Like you have enough, you have enough capacity at all positions in case somebody's out of the office that the other person can step in and, and handle it. Um, we, we've done it both ways. We've done it in the, in the sense where everybody's, uh, we call them relationship managers at our office. So you're a relationship manager and you know, you're going to, you, you know how to do everything from opening an account to uh, processing a check request. Um we also have done it where we've had specialization, where we have a new business specialist and a new business specialist. Ultimately, um, all they do is process new paperwork, new business paperwork. Um, if you're growing really fast and you're adding, let's say you're onboarding three or four clients a month, 
that might be something that's really needed. You might need somebody to do that because we all know like if you're if you're transferring six or seven accounts, if a client has six or seven accounts, if you you might let something fall through the crack and that client knows about it, they're mad about it. So uh, specialization can really be helpful there. Um, so we've done it both ways. Right now at our firm, we do, we have a new business person and then we have a relationship manager. Everybody's cross-trained though. I think at the end of the day, you know, it's a small business. You've got to have cross-training. So everybody learns everything. But then once they learn how to do that, we have special specialization. Great question. Okay. Okay. And and when, you know, let's say one's out on vacation for a week, well, you don't have, you know, all that business, all that new business, you know, the other one can kind of step in and, and, and take care of those people. Because at that point, I mean, gosh, maybe there were two clients that had seven different transfers each. They're, you know, new clients of the firm. That's not just going to put get put hold on, put on hold for a week. Right. You've got someone to, you know, step in. Yeah. And, and you, and, you know, if you've been in the business long enough, you're going to have some of these transfers can take, you know, a month, maybe, right. maybe longer. It, it, it's not like you can just a cat everything over and it's super easy. Some of this stuff takes You've got to get on the phone with insurance companies or or mutual fund companies or or pensions or whatever. Yeah. So right now, just as an example, we have one of our we have three operations people. I know we're going to get to where the staff is today. Okay. But one of them's on maternity leave right now. She's out for twelve weeks. Wow. We think. Um. You know, because so we actually at our firm, we I, I have a maternity leave policy. We we. We take care of the ladies in our firm or the guys if they have kids and they have we have a maternity leave policy, just like any corporate America company, um, because benefits are important, like yeah. benefits, what you provide, and we'll get to this as well, but what you provide to your people and the benefits you pay to them, you've got to be generous. But um, but she's out and we miss her dearly because she's amazing, just complete A-level a talent, but we've not missed the beat. The, the team is running. Everybody's working a little harder. We can't wait for her to get back, but that's the importance. That's that value of cross-training, Greg, that's really important. Okay. Okay. That man, that's, that's awesome. Wow. So, so right now, uh, you know, three people in operations, and then you yeah. also have associate advisors as well. Is that correct? I do. Yeah. We've got two associate advisors. We've got one. So I, I have failed on hiring advisors in a huge way. Um, okay. Until now, I've done a good job recently. Uh, when I first endeavored to hire an advisor, I thought I would go find a mini me or somebody that could sell. And I thought, well, even if they're not as good as me, they're still going to be bringing in eight, $10 million a year. So that's plenty, uh, plenty of revenue to be profitable. My problem was those people generally don't want to work for you or um, they're really hard to peel off of where they're at. So you end up hiring bums, you know, a guy who, Worked at Mass Mutual uh, for a year, and then uh, came in and closed one client in a year. You know, or or uh, the other guy, um, and they're they're all fine people. You know, I don't if they listen. I'm not trying to talk trash about them. These are just the numbers. Um, yeah. Or, or the yeah. other guy who, um, you know, I found him asleep on the desk one day, and then when <laughs> I went to another office, there was a hammock came hanging. We had a satellite office in a town that was two hours away, so I just didn't go there very often. And there were, he, he hung a freaking hammock up in the office so he could take naps. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So when we made these new, um, serv- we made these new advisor hires, uh, we have w- one guy, it, w- I hired, I started him as a paraplanner. He's right out of college, young guy, 24, 25 years old, a uh, great dude, hard worker. Um, probably not what you would consider a typical sales guy. He's a bit more introverted. Uh, but he's learned, he, you know, the great thing about him is he listens, he learns, he's smart and he's capable. Our clients like him. Uh, yeah. But, but there's a lot of work with somebody like that. Who's no industry experience, like a lot of work. Our other guy's a service advisor. And I have to be careful. They both listen to this and I love them dearly. So you guys are listening. You guys do a great job. So anything I say here is just for entertainment purposes only. But um, <laughs> my other guy, we hired out of a, uh, out of a wirehouse and um, probably not the best sales guy in the world but incredible service guy, like great with people. So mm-hmm. at a, as a segmentation, we have one guy, um, I, I, you know, I think you've got to have the right butt in the right seat. So we have him directed totally to serving our clients because okay. if you're, you know, I think Greg, you and I have talked about this with your practice a lot. I, I, I don't think you're running like a lifestyle practice at all. I think you're running a very deliberate practice where you have minimums, but your goal is not just like, I want to only work with a hundred people and I want to stop working. Like, yeah. So you're eventually going to need my guy, Sam, 
to work for you. You're going to not him specifically, of course, but you're going to need a guy. I might like steal that. him, Jim. No, don't do that. <laughs> uh, you're going to need a guy that is, uh, that is all about serving the clients that's smart, that can talk to talk that, um, that's comfortable doing that comfortable having those kinds of conversations, doing planning. Um, but it doesn't have to be the lead dog out there selling stuff. And, um, you know, I think, I think that's a really important hire. The younger guy, Justin, uh, you know, we're, he's getting trained up in selling and it's kind of, a, it's, it's a little foreign to him. I, I, uh, he's not like the typical a personality that would be selling, but he's actually really good at it. Communicates well. So I think you've got to find the right person mm-hmm. and put them in the right role and play to their strengths. I've seen people trying to take like the typical service advisor and turn them into a salesperson and they fail miserably. Then they think that their advisor sucks. Well, no, you suck for making them do the job that he wasn't qualified to do. Right. Right. And so and it so this hasn't been a just okay, I'm hiring this person and you know, good luck. It has been some hand holding, so a lot of training. So you've you've put a lot of of, of not only training, um, but but also kind of time and and um an effort in, into both of these uh these paraplanners, associate advisors. Yeah. And our paraplan. So, and I, I meant to go back on this. So I hired Justin as a paraplanner and okay. I wanted him to learn how to do this. So he just would sit in on appointments with me for months and he just listened and he took notes and then he would do case prep, getting ready for the appointments for me. So I don't have to do any of it. And now he's transitioning where he still does that. Cause I need him to, I really need him to, yeah. uh, but he's also out there closing his own business and I've built a comp schedule that's advantageous for him. Um, so he, he's very in, I, I've noticed that I have less talent. I have less appointments on my book uh, now because he gets a higher comp when he closes the business himself. So, <laughs> <laughs> so he's scheduling appointments for himself. Now I don't know what his close ratio is yet. It's a little too soon. So we've got to figure that out, but I, I will tell you that I've made all the mistakes, Greg, and um, I'll, I'll kind of outline those mistakes because I think anybody that's going to hire people, whether it's, whether it's number one for the advisor role or the assistant role, or, you know, people hire like director of operations still. And I have an operations manager now and two service people. And then, um, or they'll hire like a marketing person. You've got to hire. The first thing you've got to do, you got to be really slow to hire. You cannot make a panic hire. And I think we've all made them. Yeah. And sometimes you can hire somebody with a lot of industry experience. That does not mean they're good. Um, yeah, I, I have been there. I've hired somebody that had a lot of industry experience and they were idiots. So you've got to really find that right personality. So hire based upon personality and capability. If you, if they have the right personality, the right temperament, you like them. Like you generally say, wow, they're awesome. My clients will like them. They're probably might be a good fit. And then you got to f- figure out, do they have the intellectual capacity to handle the job? Cause this is hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, those are the things you have to start with and you've got to be slow, but once you figure out they're not right, you are not turning them around. Like the moment you've de- determined that they suck, it is time to pull the ripcord, give them a severance package, shake their hand and thank them and send them on their way. Don't, don't, don't fire them. Just give them a severance package and move them out. I want to pause right there, Jim. Have you had any experience where you say, okay, we're, we're going to, we're going to kind of see how this works for a 60, 90, 120 day period and to see if, you know, on both sides, then we'll kind of, you know, of course we're going to be here to support each other, but we want to see if this, this role at our firm is right for you. So we'll kind of review this in, in 90 days. And if it's, if it's not, then, Hey, maybe we have a severance package. Have you ever gone kind of gone down that road? And, and what did that look like? So I don't have that specific conversation, um, but we do let people know that, you know, Virginia, where I'm at is an at will state, meaning that, you know, you can part ways at any point with no, with, with really no reason. You don't need to provide a reason, uh, or at least I don't think you do. I'm not, I'm not a legal expert, of course, uh, but we let people know they're on probation for 60 days and you've got to kind of like lay out when you're hiring somebody, the reason people leave jobs are a couple of reasons. They leave because expectations aren't met. So I'm going to do this job and I'm going to leave because of the expectation. Think about our job. I mean, when, when people become a financial advisor, I mean, the vast majority of them don't realize it's actually a sales job. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they have no idea, right? Like they, they get in there and they think they're going to be like, like this special advisor, like picking and choosing stocks and like on wall street barking. That's not how it is. It's a right. sales job. So people that know it's a sales job going in, I think are wildly more successful. And I think the same thing with when you hire people is to make sure that their expectations are met, like walk them through exactly what the job is exact. All the, all the 
this shit as well. You can't, you can't sugarcoat this crap for people. They know there's bad parts to a job. Tell them I'm a pain in the ass. I expect things to be done. Right. I'm right. going to love you, but I'm going to let you know when it's not right. I mean, you can tell people this, they respect that stuff. As long as it's, it's done from a place of love. And then the other things I, I we let them know they're on probation. The other things don't let people take time off in the first 60 days. Like if yeah. people start calling out sick or all that crap, that's just going to be indicative of what they're going to do for the rest of their career with you. That's um, a good tip. So you've got to, you've got to really do that. And I'll, I'll give you the final one. I'm going to share this in the century club. And this absolutely almost made me have to close the door at one point. When I, when I left Edward Jones and I went independent, I was, I mean, man, I was on a tear. I was adding assets so fast. We had this, we had this plant that was like, like shutting down and people were getting their, their, their 401ks cause they got a buyout early. So, I mean, I was cleaning house. I was running seminars. I was getting all these guys and, and, and I was on easy street. And then one day my assistant said, Jim, I've got a job offer from Wells Fargo and, uh, they're just paying me so much money. I got to leave. And I don't even know what they were paying her. And I wasn't paying her enough, by the way, that's another tip. Pay your people what they're worth. We'll get into that in a minute or two, but she ended up leaving. And, and, you know, I was like, I was, I, I let her work out her notice and, you know, she's like, I'm never going to steal your clients. This is what she said. Well, yeah, right. Well, they ended up running a seminar. She ended up stealing my entire client list and inviting wow. every one of my clients to a seminar, like 17, I, I think I had a book of like $24 million. I lost half of my book, half of my book in like three months. And, wow. and their pitch was really fantastic, actually. I mean, you know, dirty SOBs, but their pitch was pretty fantastic. Hey, Jim's a great guy, but you know, he's just on his own. And you've got the horsepower of this company behind you. And that's why I left. It just has so many other opportunities that I didn't know existed. And that's why you should come here. Wow. Was she licensed, by the way? No. Wow. So here's what we do now. When people come in, I make I would never I would never do a non a non compete. I don't believe in them. I don't even think they're enforceable. But we do a uh, we do a non solicitation, and we do a confidentiality agreement. Somebody okay. does that thing to me now, you know, I'm suing them the next day. In fact, if when somebody leaves, we send we send a, a demand letter right away. Like if somebody just leaves, if we don't term, but we leave them, we send a letter and remind them. Or our attorney does. It doesn't come from me. It comes from my attorney. My it sends it to him. It just reminds them of their legal responsibilities. So it takes all the shenanigans out of the way. So right. I'm going to share those documents that that non solicitation confidentiality agreement on the Century Club because I I will tell you what if you have this it will lock down your practice because those are your clients. It will help you keep the and there's no obviously I'm not an attorney. You're going to have to vet these things to your attorney. But uh but yeah they're pretty they're pretty damn good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, that uh wow. Wow. I mean, the listeners out there, they're learning from from someone who's kind of been through the tr trenches, has done the hires, has and and Jim, you're honest enough and and humble enough to say, "Hey, this is where I screwed up. This is where I've made mistakes, and this is where I found success where I am now." And and I think that's just awesome. Yeah, so. and, and I I mean, I mean it your team is your superpower. Yeah, but you've got to make the right hire. And then once you make the right hire, you've got to invest the time in people. And, yeah. and Greg, I don't know if you feel the same way, but you know, you hire you, you let's say you go to Olive Garden tonight, which I'm going to question why you eat there, but let's say you, you and your wife went to Olive Garden and your server is amazing. Like she's like two years out of school. She's got an incredible personality. You hire her to work as a service person in your company. And that, that could be a good person to find, right? Right. Like friendly, knows how to communicate all the stuff. What do you think she knows what a Roth conversion is and what a, what a QCD is and an RMD and all of the other stuff, like literally no idea. So the learning curve in this business is so steep. You've got to invest the time and you got to be patient. Is yeah. am I off base? No, no, you are, you know, and that that's part of the training and the handholding and really onboarding and and building this person up. It, it, you know, a lot of this takes practice. The way I've kind of done it with assistants in the past is saying, okay, this is for the Roberts. We did this exact same thing with the Smiths. Do you remember when we did this, you know, three weeks ago with the Smiths? It's going to be the exact same process. Let's go through it again. 
And then in another three weeks, you know, you just happen to go through it with the Thompsons or whoever, yeah. you know, but, but it's kind of, it is kind of repetition and until kind of, they get the hang of it. Yeah. I, I don't think you can expect people, uh, to, to kind of just, uh, they just don't get it. This is not like you just, it, like you put a book on your head and osmosis happens. You just don't get it. It, it is a, it is learning a different language and you just don't speak Greek tomorrow right. because you are in Greece. You have to, you have to learn the language and it's the same thing with the financial services. And the other thing I think is, um, that can be a game changer. I, I mean, I, I really do have amazing people. My ops manager has been with me about five years now. Okay. And, um, you know, I've given her raises every year. She gets bonuses. I mean, you've really, once somebody becomes a client, you decide you're going to, or not a client, but a, 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 a team member of yours, and you're going to keep them there. You've got to pay them well, uh, like really, really well. But, you know, she's built workflows and standard operating procedures. If somebody theoretically comes into my office and they start, they say, I, how do I, how do I do a check request, Jim? Or how do I onboard a client? Like they should have a, uh, they, they have a written process to do that in our office. And that's what you should work towards. If you're out there, you need to have SOPs, standard operating procedures. You need to have workflows. And, you know, Greg and I use wealth boss cause it's awesome, but they yeah. have those things, integrations. You can build workflows in there it, and it just walks you through the steps of onboarding the client. So they don't lose out, but you're, you can, if you have a really talented person, you can do that. And you don't need like, you don't have to hire people with college degrees to do this, but you do need to hire people that have the intellectual capacity to be able to handle this job because it is difficult. Don't make no mistake. It, there's a lot of thinking that goes on for an administrative person in a big way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, you know, having multiple team members, they can teach each other. They can work with each other. You know, so if one is having a tough time with something like a QCD or something like that, the other one can kind of step in and and maybe their, you know, their their talents and skills are are, are obviously different because they're different people. But yeah, when they can step in and support each other, um, that's when you have a team. No um, doubt. And, and and same thing with your uh, Jim, your paraplanner. Uh, you said you st started him out and now he's, you know, kind of transitioning into being paraplanner and junior advisor. And, and, and he's getting, he's getting, he's taking a CFP exam in, in June. Wow. Oh, yeah. Or July. So wow. it, you've got to invest in people. Okay. And the confidence that's when I, when I earned my CFP, the confidence that gave me, it was just like, holy crap, I'm, I'm somebody now. So that's awesome. That's, and then your other advisor, same thing. I'm sure he does the, the planning and, and all that, like he's used to. So, but they can support one another. So, uh, so kind of circling back to your business, Jim, so you've got three people in operations, one's an operations manager. So she kind of handles, you know, the, the business and, and the other, so it's kind of like a, I imagine your operations teams, like a triangle, maybe, um, with the oper operations manager at the top. And then you've got your two support advisors. One's a paraplanner, um, junior advisor. The other, other one's an associate advisor. And then kind of you're the lead advisor. So how has your role, as you've kind of made these hires and especially adding the other advisors, how has your role in the firm evolved from being, okay, the solo advisor to now, are you kind of more like the CEO? Yeah, that's a, it's a great question. And I don't want to leave my wife out. She is part of our company. Okay. Um, okay. And, and I, it, she'll yell at me if she listens to this. I don't think she does, but uh, God forbid, <laughs> this is the first one she listens to. Uh, she okay. is our, uh, we call her our health and wellness expert. She is a licensed, she's your series 65 advisor. I okay. had her get that early on in case I die um, because the business okay. has value. Um, all right. But uh, she does all our Medicare for people, uh, which okay. is huge opportunity. Um, but, but transition, how's my role change? And Greg, it's in, in like massive ways. Okay. I, when, when we sit down now with a prospect and the prospects, and I'll give you an example earlier today, we sat down with this lady, myself and Justin, we sat in the room. She's a travel nurse. She's making, I don't know, 200 grand a year. She's 66 years old. This lady's got like another 400 grand somewhere else. I meet with her. She says, I'm, I want to work with you. Usually we don't close somebody in the first appointment. She says, I want to work with you. I want to start my Roth. I want to do this. I want to do this. And we said, terrific. Like, we want to work with you. Um, but I just let her know. I said, Justin's going to be the quarterback on this. He's going to make sure he's your point person. She goes, great. I look forward to working with you, Justin. Justin is 24 years old. 
Right. Wow. So I don't ever have to like, I don't have to do annual reviews with this lady now. And that that's not because I'm lazy. She's going to get incredible service. We built a team around us to be able to handle her, to be able to, to have the capacity to, to handle any questions she has along the way. So for me, it's enabled me to be out of the office and like work on the business, but not in the business. And there's a big difference, you, you know, working in the business, it's, it's, it can kill you. I mean, you, you, if you open your schedule up from eight to eight, people will just abuse you and you'll work constantly. So being able, Greg and I both like to hunt. Yep. I don't come into the office during honey season. I'm sitting in a tree stand. Now I got my phone and if there's an emergency, they can text me. But, but reality is I'm not there. I, I'm going to take a two week vacation to Iceland and I'll have cell phone service, but I know my team will take care of it. Like, I don't even have a question. Like, I'm not even worried about it right now. That's the conflict. We're going through an SEC audit right now. Okay. I don't think I sound too nervous about it. Like, no. no, like we know we run an ethical business. Like, I know that completely. Now, will, will there be problem? Of course, like we're going to miss something because we're human beings, but it's not going to be because of malice. It's just because we didn't know, but I'm not nervous at all. My ops manager and somebody else is working on that right now, getting all the stuff that the sec required and, and asked for not even remotely nervous about it. I, am I, well, maybe I'm a little nervous because I, you know, you got to talk to the government, but we know we do. I'm just saying this frees you up to do the things that are important to you. And then, by the way, if you don't want to grow at a huge practice, it frees you up to do things in your life you want to do. Go to the gym or go hiking or or whatever's important to you. That's the value of a, a of a rock star team. Love it, Jim. I'm the same way. Of course, we talked about on another podcast. Uh, you know, November. I don't have any review meetings. It's it's uh, the peak of deer hunting season. I it's just not people people almost know. Hey, that, that's not available. That, that's I'm, your time. That, that your clients know that. I, my right. mine do too. And it's. By the way, isn't that beautiful? Like they it, know it because they know Greg because you have you have a team behind you that they know even if you're out of the office, everything's running the way it should. Yep. It's talk, pretty you awesome. know, so, yeah, talk to Michelle and uh we can uh you know, we can get you in or schedule a phone meeting for, you know, when when I get back first of December or whatever it is. So Yeah, all my it, meetings during hunting season are at noon. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're a hunter, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> so um yeah, so so getting back to that, Jim. So so you're you're in, you know, so somebody is being introduced to your firm. They're coming in and saying, Hey, we're interviewing you, you're interviewing us. You're you're a part of those meetings, kind of explaining, hey, this is our message. This is how we think we'll be able to help you. And and you're kind of introducing your team and and, and I would I would assume what they all do and how they're gonna help this client. Is that right? Yeah, it's actually part of our process. Our not our not our onboarding process, but part of our process. So First off, um, when you have a team, things don't fall through the cracks. So when somebody schedules an appointment, they get really nice stuff sent to them. They get Shannon or Casey, who's going to answer the phone or Whitney, and they're going to talk to them about where the appointment's at. They're, when they come in, there's going to be cool water sitting on the um sitting on the desk with a, with a notepad and a pen. Uh, there's going to be somebody to greet them, somebody to say goodbye to them, somebody to do all the stuff. Um, and then when we're in there, we talk about like, we talk about the fact that when you work and you work with somebody, it's more than just the advisor, right? Like, the reality is we're going to talk once a year, but if you have a problem, those ladies out there are going to be your, the people to solve it for you. Did you, and I always ask them, I ask them when they come in, Hey, was, um, was Shannon and Whitney, did they do a good job and giving you, Oh, they're amazing. Yep. Yeah. It, it, so I sell it up. I tell them, I said, yeah, you know, we only hire superstars here because our clients don't deserve anything less. Like, wow. Wow. It's a That's big deal. Awesome. We let That's them know. Like, and I, I tell them, you know, it's, it's, I used to use this analogy for mutual funds when I was, I'm like, I used to tell people like, yeah, we, we choose the all-star team of mutual funds, blah, you know, blah, 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 blah. When I was back, when I first started, I thought that was a great analogy. Um, yeah. we do it now for our team members, you know, we, we, you don't deserve anything less than the most amazing people to work with you. And I, I have assembled great people just for you. And you know what, if, if your operations manager or somebody on your ops team was walking by your conference room, Jim, and heard you say that, you know how that's going to make them feel. Oh, they love okay. it. Oh man. 
Oh man, dude! I talk about it on my on my radio show on my TV. They know it, and I. This is not me blowing smoke, and I mean that completely. I I I do not say things I don't believe in. As you as people who know me well know, I really believe it. Like these people are good at their jobs, and they are compensated fairly. And I think it's I think it's good. You know, I know we're getting close on time, but I think it's good to pivot over to how do you comp these people, Greg? Yep. Um. where, where, you know, number one, like you said, they're not going to leave you for a better paying job at Wells Fargo or, you know, one of these other firms um, where they, they still feel appreciated, they're not overworked. Is it, you know, is it bonuses, Jim? Is it is it more vacation? Is it, do you ask them, hey, what's important to you? Is it, do you just interview a bunch of advisors and say, hey, what are you paying your team? How do you do it, Jim? It's all the above. Okay. Um, yeah, it really is all the above. So. I'll share. I always like to share where I screwed up. I used to think these jobs were like $12 an hour jobs. Like anybody could do them. Like this is, this is not a $20 an hour job. This is a $12. That's complete baloney. Yeah. These people, you, we, this job is so lucrative. You've got to hire people and pay them the right way to keep them. Cause the training sucks so bad. We talked about how long the training goes. Once they're trained, you can't afford to lose them. Right. So first thing is pay them a fair wage. And a fair wage is different in every area. I'm not in New York City, but um, you know, at least twenty dollars an hour. I don't care where you're at. I mean, that's what people deserve to make. Like advisors, advisors making three, four hundred thousand dollars a year have people below poverty level on their teams. I mean, you, you should. Be, we all we all know them. We all- you should be effing embarrassed about yourself. I mean, really. Like yeah. you should just be straight up embarrassed about who you are. And I'm, you know, like I'm not. I'm not. Uh, you know, my my conservative vibes are, are are not coming through here but i really think like it's embarrassment when people do so pay people what they're worth um bonuses can work but i don't think they move the needle in a big way i'll tell you what people love freaking time off yeah they love time off give them enough time off get like give them pto time like enough time to like take a real vacation with their family it, it, I know it's a pain in the ass. Send them home early on Friday sometimes. Like reward them with time off. It's a big deal. Um, and our, here's what we provide for benefits at our office. We have a 401k with a 6% match. Uh, that's the most we can do with Safe Harbor, I think. Um, I might be wrong. I'm not a 401k expert, of course. Um, we have a, a, I think it's called a Qshera plan, which is like a medical reimbursement plan. We can do uh, 300 bucks a month or some variation of that. So everybody gets that. We have free dental, free vision. Uh, we have three weeks of vacation PTO time. Uh, we're off on a bunch of days. We leave at four o'clock on Fridays. We got to leave when the market closes kind of thing. So, so yeah. And, and, um, and, and you said for uh, maternity, uh, for pregnant people, you've got 13 weeks off 12, 12, yeah. 12, 12, 12 weeks. Yeah. And, yeah. So we have, we, we have like, we, we have an employee handbook. I probably need to give that to the Century Club as well. So we actually have a like an employee handbook. So when somebody comes in, I mean, we're a legit business. Act like you're a damn legit business. Like I made a decision four or five years ago. Like if I'm going to really do this, like I might as well do it well. So we like, we, we made our benefits plan robust. We pay people we worth. I give them raises. Like, you know, in 2021 or 2022, we had crazy inflation. I mean, I went and tapped everybody on the shoulder and gave them raises, like yeah. not because they're doing a great job, although they were, but because you know what, damn it, gas was costing them significantly more, food was costing them more, and well, you know, it's just the right thing to do. You, you just have to, if you want this to work well for you, pay your people what they're worth. And and I do think, Greg, you should obviously ask people and ask them. You know, I love one of the things I like to do, and. Uh, I, I probably won't be able to do this because somebody on my team will ask. I like to ask him, like, what do you think your raise should be this year? And, you know, like, let's say Cindy, who I don't have a Cindy, will say, well, Jim, if I can make $2,000 more a year or a dollar more an hour, I'd be so happy. So I just double it usually. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, because I mean, you know, like they're modest, their requests. So, you know, if I can do it, damn it, I'm going to do it. I, my, my thing Obviously, I'm not going to pay absurd money for the role, but I want to keep my people happy. I want to keep them in the seat. And the other thing that we didn't mention are the soft benefits. Take your people to lunch. Tell them you love them. Make sure they know they're valued. People leave because their expectations aren't met, and then they don't think they're valued. 
Yeah. Make sure people know that you value them. Like let them know. And not just once a year. Take them to lunch every three weeks and just say, I just want to take you to lunch because you're doing great. Like my team, we, we brought a mobile car wash guy in just a couple weeks ago. He washed everybody's car. Like, That's cool. That's I mean, cool. you know, these are, these are, I mean, this is the best profession on the planet being advised. You make so much money, treat your people well. That's my, that, that's kind of my closing thoughts on that piece, at least. Okay. One more, and then we'll kind of wrap up, Jim. What, what about, what about assigning your goals, business goals, and and letting your your team in on that and say, you know, and I don't know, it's probably not having like a board up because of you know the the rules that we have nowadays. But but you you know, so, so the team is involved in in what your you know the goals of the business or the goals of the firm, and if they're hitting those, like you mentioned, oh, you know, we'll take a we'll take a jet to Vegas or you know something like that. Is, is that something you've done in the past or considering doing or? Yeah, we've done it off and on. We still do it every year. I always let everybody know what the big goal is. I don't think that it really resonates with what it is. You, you, if you tell somebody you want to bring in 10, 20, 30, 40 million dollars in new assets, I'm not sure that, you know, Sally on the front line knows what that means, but we do bonus that on a quarterly basis. So we have a quarterly bonus. It's like 500 bucks in a day of uh, eight hours of PTO. So we, we let okay. people earn a little extra PTO because I bet if you pull your people, time off is one of the most important things, and we give them a little bonus. Um, and we try to we do a um, one of the things we do every year. We do a couple things. We rent a suite at a baseball game. We have a minor league team, and we take our team and their families are allowed to go. So we cool. make sure they can invite their families and just make sure they have a good time. We do a, a team retreat. Where on a Friday we close the business and we do a, like a planning meeting, and at everybody's got Ol- Olive Garden or where. <laughs> yeah, we've done it. We've done it all over. Um, we've done it at indoor water parks because a lot of our people have younger kids. Oh, um, cool. We've done it. Um, we've done it at like a state park that has all these big cabins. That is really cool. This year we're going and we rented this like eleven bedroom lodge at this like adventure camp. So they have like adult games and all kinds of stuff. Everybody's family's invited. Uh, but on, we do a Friday meeting and then. You can stay or not stay if you want, and uh, all the food is provided. It's just a great kind of bonding, and we talk about our goals in a big way, and everybody gets to contribute. Like everybody's voice is heard. Uh, there's no lead, there's no manager. Actually, I'm not even the leader of those meetings. Usually, I let somebody else lead them. I just participate. Um, so they're you know they're really they're really good. But yeah, I think you you let them know. But I I would just warn advisors like. Comp on revenue and not like if you're going to comp people, comp on revenue and not like um, not production as far as like new assets because comp people on comp and measure people on what they can control. Um, they can't control you closing business by and large. They so so I, I think it only has so much weight. I think it's important because I think it gets all the all the all the oars moving in the right direction, but I'm not sure that it gets a lot of lift. So I'm a little up in arms on, on that one, Greg. Yeah, that that's always been a you know. Do you do it? Oh, new clients per month or quarter or you know for the year, and, and just kind of assume okay, they're gonna the average person's gonna have X amount of dollars and gonna bring in X amount of revenue. It, it's right. it's a difficult one to kind of track and and really measure in our business. So. It is, yeah, it is. There, there's no right or wrong. I, I think the biggest part of it is is letting people. First off, you've got to let them know that it can change, um, and you've got to be open to making changes every year. And yeah. you need to make sure some of this is discretionary too. If you're going to bonus people, it can't be a hundred percent based upon the numbers because if you have two people and Sally was out for three weeks because she was screwing around, um, you're going to hate to write that bonus check to her. So right, I've been there before. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, that's awesome. And, and the other thing that we haven't talked about is, you know, and Jim, maybe at some point in your past, you, you may have you may have had high turnover, right? Just because maybe you had a couple of the wrong people in the in the seats um, on your team, but and clients notice that and they'll say, "Oh, what what happened to Sally or, or Cindy? Where where did she go?" And oh, they absolutely do. And and they're asking about them because they're they're a part of the team. They're used to talking to Sally when they call in or whatever it is. Um, They'll realize you're an a-hole real fast. Like, yes. Yeah. If you're turning people over, it it is a reflection on you for sure. And if people are unhappy, they got a bad attitude when they're there. It's well, there, there's a reason, man. I, every time I call she seems like she's in a, 
having a bad day. Well, yeah. is, is, is that just her, her personality or her nature, or is, is it just not a joy to work, you know, for Greg or Jim or Brad or whoever it is. So yeah. clients, clients pick up on all that. So, um, that, that's the other thing is your team is a reflection on you, your business and, and clients, they sense that, um, and, and they want to work with people who, who treat them well. So it, it, you, we've got to get across, hey, if, if, if we're going to be a team, if we're going to be here, we're going to serve clients well, um, we've got to be nice. We have to be friendly. We have to be um, very urgent with getting back with requests. We can't, we can't call somebody back in three days. And, and kind of that's just the message of your firm, which Jim has done so, such a great job kind of you know just communicating that to his team members. And, and he has set the expectations right where he can be out for you know for a couple of days in a tree stand deer hunting and he's not worried about hey how how are my clients how are the clients of the firm being treated when I'm gone he knows hey everything's going to be okay yeah jim i'll leave you with last thoughts this has been has been great and then also if you don't mind um we'll mention the century club again yeah my last thoughts are um look if you're if you're thinking about hiring somebody it's time to do it um, no matter where you're at in your process, if you think that person you have working for you is not the right fit, chances are they're probably not. It's probably time to put them in the right seat, let them go. Uh, but with all that said, um, hire slow, only hire a talent. Do not make sacrifices on this. Greg said it best just a second ago. It is a reflection on you. And if you hire an idiot and they treat your clients poorly, you are going to impact the relationship in a huge way. Once they're on board, tell them you love them, treat them well, and really build a business around this. Like you're competing against other firms. Are they going to have, you've got to think about, you think about your client experience, spend a lot of time thinking about your employee experience as well. If they need something to be happy. I mean, in our office, we order snacks in and drinks in that uh, we have a fully stocked room for them. Like I want them to come into work and feel good because I know when they do that, everything gets done. So I, you know, if, if you have any questions, reach out to us on the Facebook group, happy to help if I can, um, th that you can find this right on Facebook at the financial advisors edge community, just type that into your search bar and find it in groups. Uh, and then the other thing that I think is really important, we're going to share all of our, I think I'll share some SOPs our employee handbook and more than likely our confidentiality and non-solicit agreements on the, the uh, Century Club. And the Century Club is a small group of advisors. It's our group group coaching program that we've put together that Brad, uh, Greg, and myself spent a lot of time communicating with people and helping them hit their goals. And we know everybody's goals are different, but our goal is to help you hit yours. And we cover one really important topic of business building every month. We have live office hours where we share and open our, our, our doors for questions. And I highly encourage you to join. Go out to the faedge.com and also make sure you leave us a five-star review. I think that's three ask, and I think that's enough. And I appreciate everybody listening to today's show. Greg, thanks for the questions. Hopefully this was somewhat helpful. This is a learning process. I am not perfect yet. So it is an evolution by, uh, but for sure. And I've got a lot to learn. So if you've got some tips and tricks, get out to that Facebook group and share them. Hey, we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for listening to the show. Check us out at thefinancialadvisorsedge.com if you want to learn more about us. If you enjoyed the content, make sure to leave us a five-star review and tell your friends about us. The opinions that are expressed in the shows are that of each host only and don't necessarily reflect the opinion of the other hosts. Like the weather, our opinions can change. This podcast isn't intended to provide tax, legal, or investment advice. Always consult with a qualified professional. We cannot guarantee our opinions or forecasts are right. See you next week.